Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Opening the Box of Knowledge. I'm Chakya Ish, Richard Peterson. With me is the man, the myth, the legend. Yo, this is Kajun. All right. Well, we're excited about this episode of Opening the Box of Knowledge. It's, uh, you know, it's been our desire to just kind of throw the spotlight on our indigenous brothers and sisters doing really cool things, allies that are supporting all of us doing cool things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, before we get into it, you know, we have with us Bobby Wilson, uh, known as Bobby Dews. Yeah. Uh, he, he's an amazing guy. I, I've gotten to know him a couple of years ago. So talented. He's funny too. Yeah. Talented, funny. Um, I think, you know, these guys are brilliant. You know, I think most performers, though, when they, you know, kind of express themselves through their art, through, you know, whether it's visual art or, or music or performing, there's kind of that brilliance that just helps them have to get it out there, right? Yeah. I'm really excited for this. I think people are going to love it. Um, you know, he's so funny, uh, you know, being a part of just a group of folks that have just really um, kind of taken in, in indigenous native humor to another level and really in into the forefront. You know, mm -hmm. they you know, the, the 1491s, they're 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 a household name. You know, everybody, you know, in, in, in Indian country, in, in Alaska native villages, everybody knows the 1491s. Yeah. You know, it was kind of I. I was still in Kisan in the village. And so internet connection not being great, but you know, I'd hear from people like, Oh, have you checked out the 1491s? I'm like, who are they? And they're like, they're on YouTube. Yeah. And they YouTube were kind sensations. of, yeah, they kind of were like sketch comedy and just doing hilarious things. And it was so funny because like, you know, the res and the Ville are basically the same yeah. thing. Yeah. And so it just resonated. And, What's really great with this uh, conversation with Bobby is he's talking about their experience, right? And how now that they're kind of breaking through, especially uh, Sterling, you know, co-creating Reservation right, Dogs. Yeah. They're on big media now. Yeah, but yeah. they're lifting up other creators and artists, indigenous, right? Yeah. Like musically and, and even the folks, you know, behind the scenes, the sets the everybody doing lighting yeah you know it's awesome and i think that's what's gonna even where they're filming yeah they're yeah. on location and you know at yeah. casinos yeah. they're in the no, res they're not in la at some big studio yeah no it's it's pretty awesome and, and just really great to see, uh, see and, and hear these things you know and I watched the recent episode where uh, <laughs> it was hilarious. They had a, I, I forget the gentleman's name, but Amber Mid Thunder was on there and they're really playing these, uh, you know, we are elders. Yeah, and, yeah. and it was just hilarious, you know. And it's the best. I, I, it it's resonated. the show I'm like looking forward to like, yeah. every week. Yeah. Well, you know, that's crazy too, is we've become this binge nation for content mm -hmm. so you know you want to watch every episode all together and well hulu's re releasing it weekly yeah. and i'm tuning in weekly tuning in weekly it's working yeah it is yeah, working it's like it's the old days yep <laughs> and and just um love it and bobby you know he comes from real background he's has real lived experiences and he's so uplifting well let's listen all right there you go well, hey, Bobby Wilson, thanks for joining us here at Opening the Box of Knowledge. We're so excited to have you talk to you about all the great things you're doing. 
Uh, met you a couple years ago when you were you and the 1491s came to Juno and did a show, and we've kind of stayed in a little bit of contact since. And it's just been watching your like your uh, shooting for the stars right now. So thanks for joining Kachung and I. How you been doing, man? Hey, hi, hello, hi, how, how, what's up, Bobby Wilson, Imachiapiado. Um, fucking cool to be on your podcast. Yeah, man, I haven't seen you in a while. I went to Juno uh, yeah. back in 2019 with not a clue that the world was about to completely change. I, that was actually one of the first things I actually experienced when I came because I moved to Juno in 2019. And I'm like, what? We're doing shows? The 1491s are here? Are yeah. you kidding me? I was, this is the right move. Yeah. <laughs> I was always so like, man, like going to Juno was like a really cool, like in my head, I always see artists who are from like Juno or Southeast Alaska or whatever. Like there's just a bunch of really dope native artists that I've always really uh, admired that come from up that way. And I also have like a little bit of intertribal jealousy because y'all's form line designs are so sick. Oh, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really cool to, to, to like go to where the source of that is, you know, and, uh, and I was just, I'm always pumped. Like when I was working as a, a, on tour with like the 1491s back in the day, uh, my, my sketch comedy troupe, we got together in like 2010, something like that, and made a video for YouTube called Wolfpack Auditions. Mm, uh, yeah. It, it's, still, it's definitely still up. It's still up there somewhere. But uh, we, we had such a great time making that, that, uh, you know, we started just trying to make more and then uh, different tribes would reach out to us like on our social medias or whatever. And they'd be like, do you guys do live shows? And so wow. then we start talking like, Oh man, we should do that. Like that actually sounds really tight. And so we wrote a bunch of sketches for the stage and uh, toured together for like 10 years. We went to like every res and, uh, and, and, out of all of that time, come 2019, you know, I'd never been to Juno. I'd been to Anchorage a couple times, but like, I was like so hyped to go to this park because like uh, the the Whirl uh, 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 siblings, brother and sister, Rico and Crystal. Uh, I've always really like, really liked their work, you know, from back in the day. Uh, Amazing so it just, artists. Like, it was just cool to, to be like around that shit you know plus like i've never seen so many eagles in my life you guys got eagles <laughs> like we got pigeons over here you know like yeah like, like gone gone like leave the <laughs> <photos> behind <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy about all that bobby is so you know i'm from a small village and so back when you guys started i used to get on youtube and watch you and oh i was just like you know, you don't see our representation out there very much, right? Like, not like what's going on right now where it's blowing up with all the work that you're all doing. And it's funny because it seems like your group, 1491, Sterling and Dallas and Ryan and you, like, you guys are kind of like the kernel of the seed of it or something because you're tied into so many different things. And, you know, if you look up what you're doing, you're working with people like Tazva, you're working with you know, all these amazing artists and creators. It's really awesome to see you guys holding each other up in that way. 
and just how it's blowing up. And, you know, you mentioned coming to Juno. I got to throw a shout out to uh, our girl, Emily Edenshaw, because she's the one who was yeah. working for the tribe at the time. She's like, we need to bring the 1491s. And she's back in Anchorage now, um, dominating, running the Alaska Native Heritage Center. Yeah, but- yeah. She's doing great things. Yeah. Is she the one that brought you to Anchorage? I mean, yep, I, knew, I remember is. when you came to Anchorage. Yep, she was the one uh, always like our. She was always our point of contact whenever we was doing like anything out here in Alaska. You know, uh, always hooking it up and getting us out there. And it was so cool. And you know, to to kind of go back to what you're talking about, like growing up and not having access to stuff like that. I mean, kind of nobody did. You know what I mean? Like uh, even even in the Twin Cities uh, where I grew up. Uh, like we have such an incredible scene of artists, you know, like a, a lot of people always point to Prince and Bob Dylan. These guys come from there. But, you know, like there's so many native artists out there uh, and there's such a rich and vibrant scene of like music and comedy and poetry and stuff like that. And so I was fortunate I got to be exposed to that sort of stuff way back in the day. But, I, you know, going to all these places all over the uh, and, and even the other 1491s who did grow up rural and didn't have access to that stuff is like, uh, th- we all wanted to see like native comedy and stuff like that. I, I, you know, I would get so hyped if I saw like Graham Greene on like Maverick. You ever see that movie? Yeah. If you haven't seen Maverick, so tight. Go back. It's racist ass Melly Gibson. Uh, it's his. It's it's one of his oldies, uh, and it's a western, but. There's this incredible character in there played by Graham Greene, who's like uh, he's like a hustler Indian on the prairie who's like selling Indian experiences, basically. Yeah. And I never seen no shit like that. And, you know, it wasn't wasn't like written by by an Indian or anything like that. But I the way that he played it, it was just pure magic to me. And it was like such a great example of what everyone loves to call what I call Indian humor, you know. You know, what's I think awesome, you know, watching, tuning into Rutherford Falls, which, you know, God hope that gets picked up by another uh, platform. And then, of course, Reservation Dogs, you can tell it's written for and by natives because the humor. I, I was talking to Steve about the episode, I think it was two or three on each season one where at the clinic. Right. And like <laughs> That was so our experience growing up, you know, and it it really resonated. And just recently watching the episode where all the aunties go to the conference. Oh, my God. I'm like, I I don't know how many conference babies I know in this world, but there's a few. Bro, I just like I watched that episode and I was literally the next day on a plane to a conference. And that was just on my mind, like the whole time. Of course, of course. (laughs) I was like, I'm keeping my socks on. (laughs) (laughs) And and Bobby Lee. Oh, my God. He's hilarious. Uh, He kills, man. He's so funny. I'll tell you, you know what, what, in that episode, my mother-in-law, she was, uh, she's like, a, she's recently retired, but she was a BIA firefighter. So she was mm. uh, Navajo forestry, was flying all over the country to do, uh, to fight wildfires and stuff like that. And this was like the last training that they had for, before she retired, was in Oklahoma at the same time that we were filming that Antis episode. So I hit her up and I was like, you know, I know you got your friends. I know you're doing your thing, but you know, like if you want to come to set or like all this and that. So I got her to submit some, some paperwork some pictures and I got her in as like a background extra. Yes. And 
she came in uh, on like the fir- the first one of the first days that we were shooting. She came up to set at the casino, and it's exactly when we were filming Bobby Lee in women's underpants, all hickeyed up and scraped up, running down the hallway. And that's so that was the first time I anybody from my family had been where I was. <laughs> <laughs> so Welcome yeah. To the set. yeah yeah this is what i do yeah. like, at least it wasn't you in your underwear man that's so mean come on oh i know i know that. Mama proud. You know. <laughs> i think we've all seen that though so. <laughs> we have that was definitely part of my repertoire <laughs> yeah you know um i watched last night uh the recent episode came out with cheese and I, I read that that's kind of your story a little bit there, right? Like, and I remember when we first met, you taught when we went to dinner, you were talking about like literally you, you kind of bounced around women's shelters as a kid. And mm-hmm. so, what was it like to kind of tell that story and, and kind of have some representation of yourself, your story in there? Uh, it was dope, man. It was like, um, it's always kind of something like a lot of art and a lot of writing that I do. And I know, you know, a lot of folks and it's, uh, is, um, you know, kind of helping me process and cope with things that have happened or, you know, like that can be a part of it. And, uh, you know, for the longest time, I, I used to kind of bang my head around, like trying to think, how do I write about those experiences in my life without it being fucking like so sad <laughs> you know because it really bums people out and even like posting about it on twitter I, I was reading some of the some of the replies you know everybody's everybody's being super nice and wonderful about it and uh and, and some of them are saying the things that i've always heard growing up was like i'm so sorry you had to deal with that i'm so sorry you had to go through that it's such a terrible thing that they treat kids this way and i'm like you know, like that's the thing that I personally in my life have been fighting against because it's so easy to fall in love with your own like traumas and and the pity that people put on you and say like, you know, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. But like, honestly, you know, it's just how I grew up. And it's it, it's a thing that I've, I've dealt with. I like go to therapy and shit like that, you know. Uh, I'm taking care of me and I'm trying to be a healthy person uh, because I know a lot of guys uh, don't get that uh, who I who I stayed with and like those shelters and those boys homes and et cetera, et cetera, all that institutional living, you know, people get caught in it and it's, and it sucks, man. It's really, it, it, it does get terrible, but there's some really funny stuff that happens there and reflecting on it. I'm always like, well, like, how do I get it? And to that place. And I was super happy because in season one, I had brought this up to Sterling when I was trying to pitch around what this kind of storyline might be. And I was like, everybody always asks, like, what's up with Cheese? What's Cheese's deal? Because he didn't get his own focus episode in season one. And so you had met everyone's family or at least talked about their parents and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. no, but there's nothing in the first season where anybody talks about Cheese's mom or dad or whoever, you know, like we don't see where he lives. We've seen everybody else's house. And so I pitched that maybe he's one of those community kids who's uh who's always staying at somebody's uncle somebody's auntie somebody's grandma you know because that's what i that's what i was growing up you know and i had my homies who had stable houses and families and stuff like that but you know i was still just like bouncing around and stuff well into my 20s mind you Mm -hmm. and like because if you grow up that way it's like 
it's really hard to figure out sort of, you know, how to navigate the world. <laughs> well, you know, there's a few few moments for his character, you know, um, I, the couple episodes back when they did the uh, youth group thing with Amber Midsummer, that was hilarious. <laughs> hilarious mm. stuff right there but cheese kind of got his voice a little bit and i'm glad that you guys aren't continuing to treat him like government cheese like you know he's he's you goody. how long you have you had that Fine cheese. oh man that, that stuff just comes at me brother but uh no i love it and just uh the highlight on him was pretty cool um you know a message this whole show is, you know, we talk about lifting each other up, lifting up our indigenous folks that are doing epic things, right? And mm. for me, this show does that. Like, I come to work, we literally, with my coworkers, talk about, like, the latest episode, you know, and it how it resonates for mm. us. You know, representation matters, and, and we see ourselves reflected. It, it's pretty incredible, but... You know, I also think that the message needs to be like, look, we have real lives. We grew up with trauma and these things, but what you make of it, right? And that's what I see in you is, hey, we all got a story, mm -hmm. but, you know, you've chosen to use that to build yourself up. It's you're not there for a pity party. Like, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and on uh, uplifting, it is, you know, like I'm so freaking blessed by my ancestors, by my descendants to be in this position to like to have such a solid group of like creative homies consult like uh, all of us are just like, you know, so supportive of each other. It doesn't feel like there's any kind of competition because I think we all grew up with those types of stories or we all had somebody that we loved in our lives that had those types of stories. And, you know, when it comes to like the production and all that stuff, like on the business side of things, the way that Sterling runs that business is so like phenomenal to see behind the camera how many natives we have like actually making this show, like physically mm -hmm. with their hands making this show, designing the sets. You know, like I watch the show and I watch it in per like getting made and there's so much magic in it. And, it, and you know, all of these guys didn't have access to be able to like work on a Hollywood production. You know, a lot of folks living in a major city like Los Angeles or New York uh, or even freaking, I don't know, Chicago, places like that, where they have sound stages, where they have infrastructure built for these studios to make all of these city stories, you know. And if it if it becomes a rural project for a TV show, they just want it to be filmed somewhere in the LA area for the tax breaks and stuff like that. And so you got people who work for years and they're all unionized. They've all, you know, been doing this stuff behind the scenes in costumes and uh, camera department, stuff like that, it, you know, any position that there is on a film crew. And to have all these films showing up in Oklahoma and to have Sterling supporting the community that he grew up in with this, it's like, it's really incredible to see people who like make their own regalia, who are now like getting into like the unions for costume design in Hollywood, you know? And like that gets them 
you know, that opens up so many damn doors for them to be able to like work on huge productions. I'm I'm so excited that you're bringing that up because that's one of the things I noticed about about this show, and you not not just where it's filmed and who's who is you know uh, working on it, but, you know that behind the behind the scenes things. Me as like a musician, I like I'm so excited to like hear what the next songs are going to be. You know, it's like yeah. And so I mean, tell me about that. Like that's the the musical part of of what's happening with the show. You know, Sterling is a big music head. Like, I mean, if that's like his passion in life outside of film is is music. And a lot of the folks that pop up in our soundtracks, I mean, it's so like wonderfully mixed together, uh, like old school country that I've never heard of. Like, it's very Oklahoma centric. And also like these new school and old school, like native musicians from all different genres, you know, being featured throughout this series. And I mean, we, we all love Redbone, but it's pretty cool to hear oh. other, yeah. other folks. <laughs> oh man, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, our, our composer too, this is another example of that sort of uplifting thing. And this is a thing that Rutherford Falls did. Uh, our composer is Mato Wayuhi, and he's like uh, a badass Lakota musician. Uh, I don't want to call him like a rapper. He's, he is he, like, I mean, if that's the genre, but he's incredibly talented. And uh, he would, uh, in order to be certified by like, uh, I guess I'll call it certified for lack of a better word, to be certified by like a studio. Uh, this goes back to like the union stuff. Uh, Mato couldn't just be the composer in season one. He had to essentially get like mentored in by somebody who the studio was like, okay, this will be this will be the co the lead composer, and you'll be like the co-composer. And right. now he's straight up just like working it, you know. And it, it it it's really like fantastic the amount of attention that's paid to the music because also like indians are some musical ass people man like this is oh yeah like, and then and the styles of music right the the genres yeah. i mean it's just it's it's bending like the stereotypes of like what indigenous music is right native music yeah. oh yeah I, I appreciate that so much I think it's so amazing to see, too, like what you're talking about is the crew, everybody behind the scenes are being lifted up, even like at a level that blows me away, isn't just like on the crew that are there, but like the artists, you know, that are there, what people are wearing, like when you go through and they're at that conference and they're seeing like the uh, you know, Indian market type thing. Mm -hmm. When you guys were in Juno, you met uh, a local gal here, Jill Costine, Missouri, right. yep. and you guys have like blown her up oh in God. her beating, <laughs> which I know you're a beater too. Well, she blew herself up, you know what I mean? Because it's like, I mean, she's the one who did all that work, right? But no, I, I am a beater. Yeah, like it's something that I really love to do, but I am a slow ass beater, man. This is why I'm not out doing commissions and stuff like that. And like, Whenever I was beating, I was like, I took a few commissions and it took me forever. And a couple of them I had to give their money back, you know, because I was just like, I'm sorry. I, know I can't do it. Can't yeah. do it. Like, <laughs> and, and so when I finally got the TV job, I was like, okay, I'm going to hang up my needle and thread for a little while. 
but Sterling asked me, you know, because I wrote in with my uh, co-writer uh, and brother, Tommy Pico, we co-wrote uh, an episode of season one called What About Your Dad, which has written into it, you know, Bear, he's excited to see his dad. He wants to get him a present and he find, figures out the perfect gift is going to be a beaded medallion that he can't get yeah. in L.A. And so he goes to Auntie B and asks her to, to make his, his dad a medallion. And she's like, "What? You want like a pickle?" Because and then she has like a pickle medallion. Uh, it's all in the script, you know. And then she makes. <laughs> and he comes to pick up the piece, and it's a suspiciously shaped microphone yeah. with a cord. Oh, I love it. it. Yeah. No, I want one for my for my shows, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the? What's I was the like, clink- please. What's the, what's the clinket word for it? For your. Uh, for your chief there is it uh, uh i know the hydro <laughs> the hydro word is chitch yeah chitch. oh yeah so it's suspiciously yeah. it's it's real chitchly this uh <laughs> <laughs> and uh and i drew it up on my ipad and i was like okay like i was submitting <laughs> the designs to sterling but i was also writing on the show and i was working on rutherford falls and i just and, and raising my child and like you know all of the stuff where i was like dude i cannot do it i can't yeah. do this and so he's like, I, I was like, I know uh, Jill from Juno. She's like a super fast bead worker. Like, honestly, like I've seen her post her work and her process videos and like she can bust something crazy out in like two days, you know? And so yeah. and there it wasn't tight. quite two days, but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's, she's sick with it. Love and, it. Love it. Okay. Yeah, so I was but, just in, I was just in Canada, right? Was over there. Uh, and I was just flipping through the channels and it came across APTN. Yeah. Aboriginal yeah. People's Television Network. Yeah. When are we gonna get one of those here in the in, in the States? You I'll know, we you can't what, even get that. I, I wish I could pull it out right now. I have a t-shirt somewhere, really nice and soft, but it's like a size too small because it was a while back. Uh I have a shirt that says like I am ready for APTN America. And uh we as the 1491s will actually migazi our uh our fifth our fifth member mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody always forgets uh i was gonna laugh about that when you talked when you named off all the 1491s earlier charlie because you 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 didn't mention migazi and i smiled really big because it's like a running joke with all of us uh but anyway, i actually got in an argument with somebody one time and i was like these are the 1499 and they're like no there's another one and i was like yeah there's, there's another not. one <laughs> and, and then i went on like he like when we were going on tour he was like the one that never missed a show on on stage and like still to this day you know it's so freaking funny but anyways uh yeah no uh, aptn was trying to get a, a a channel here in the states and um i don't know like i'm not part of those conversations or you know like whatever they're doing making networks i have no idea how it how it works but they were trying to do it and uh, i know i mean it just no feels like we're so on that cusp of it right i mean with these shows coming you know, out you know it's it's true man but honestly like and this is just you know take it or leave it i i don't know if that's even a really a good idea you know on the business side of uh of television there is just like it's wild out there right now with all the streaming platforms some of them like the, a lot of platforms are like falling apart and failing because TV is so different right now, you know? You know? 
I mean, network TV still exists, and but I mean, we're watching like Hulu, Netflix, Prime, Peacock. (laughs) (laughs) You know, instinctively, when Kachung says that, like, I'm like, yeah, we need our own. But at the same time, what we need to do is permeate what's existing, like take over, you know, because we to me, what I see happening is representation right like you can look at all these medias now from tv to stage to books to music Mm. and we're seeing our people there and taking over and kachung had come to me a couple years ago and we talked and he he came up with this idea for a rock festival you know rock rock Mm -hmm. or is it rock 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 music yep and uh anyways i think one of the things that he said to me that I've never forgotten is his band's been around for 20 plus years and they're always at these uh, festivals, but it's like the side stage. Like we need to take center stage, right? you know, in everything. So you could segregate yourself or you could just take over, which I want to see. But then again, I see like what Sterling's doing and I think he's like the native Tyler Perry. Like let's oh, do the man. No. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get him uh dressing like his grandma in season Look, just in the way that look at Tyler Perry's created his own studio, he's create he's putting his you know African American community right. to work. Yeah. yeah, like Sterling's creating an opportunity. I mean all right, man. I hope for him. I hope for all of you guys to be, you know, hundred millionaires and all of this <laughs> doing what you're doing. But that's kind of a one in a billion shot there. Yeah, man. But it is. It's like while well, your guys's meteor is rising, you're grabbing on to every like native bystander you can to pull them up with you. Yeah. And to me, that's phenomenal. That's like yeah, that's I like that. Yeah. It's just what we should be doing and everything. That's what what I want to achieve with this, you know, modest little humble podcast is, dude, we have a platform. We're creating a platform. Let's lift up people like, and Bobby, you were like one of the first ones on my list because you inspire me. You Ooh, give me, you give me no. uh, <laughs> you're, you're all of a sudden the pretty girl at the dance, bro. <laughs> ah. All of a sudden I was always pretty. I was always good. <laughs> at the dance. Well, now I want to dance with you. <laughs> you and me. Potato dance. We got to wear masks. Oh, my God. The whole potato dance. That was so awesome. Uh, I I don't know the bro, stereotypes bro. that were coming out in that episode, you know, <laughs> with Amber Mid-Thunder. And was that Tatanka? Yeah. Or, uh, uh, no, or, no. That wasn't. Oh. You know, what's so funny is I... I a few people have said that now. Uh, no, that wasn't Tatanka. This is what's crazy, man. We we casted that guy. Uh, his name is Elisha. And uh, I can't remember his last name right now. Sorry. But uh, he's a Pawnee dude. Uh, and he was actually in season one in the Uncle Brownie episode. He's like one of the first people that Uncle Brownie tries to sell his like 25-year-old weed to. Uh and the, and the guy's like, man, get out of here, man. I only I only mess with Acapulco Goalers. I, there's, you know, whatever. He's saying, this is a, I only mess with Purple Dragon Breath or something like that. Yeah. And, uh, but he looks all rugged, you know. He's like, his hair's all crazy in that scene. And and here we, like, 
just recast him on the day because the person who he originally cast tested positive for COVID that morning. Oh, damn. That was kind of, that's like one of the craziest things about making TV right now in all of this is like, it's also during COVID. And so like, we're testing people like all the freaking time, you know, like we're getting tested Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, every freaking work week. Uh, And sometimes, you know, you would cast somebody in a, in a spot and their test would come back positive and you're like, like, what are we going to do? You know? So Sterling just hit him up real quick. It was like a panic at work. You know, we were like, we're shooting today. Like, homie has COVID now. Like, oh my God, like, how are we going to fill this role? And so our male uh, uh, influencer, uh, he was, he did a great job. He did a great job, but he was basically like, oh my God, like, okay, I'll be there. (laughs) You know, like jump in his car and peel out. He even brought his, uh, his dance outfit too, his Pawnee dance outfit, because we we made like fake TikToks that didn't make it into the episode. There's one where he's sitting in his car dressed up in his full freaking dance outfit, his regalia. Uh, and he's just looking in his phone, goes, My culture is not a costume. He like shakes his eagle fan, you know. He's just, you know, goofing around and shit. Or, or he, yeah, I don't know, man. It was it was wild. Oh, I think it, it had to be kind of halfway easy for him because we all know those characters, yeah, right? It totally was. And, you know, that's what was so funny is, like, everybody, when when we're writing that as a team, like, everybody's kind of like, okay, we've we've all been to this conference, right? Or we've uh, some of us have even spoken at this conference, you know? And so uh, uh, Erica Tremblay, she's the one who wrote it. She's uh, Cayuga. And uh, she directed the the roofing episode on season two. Um, she said that she basically like just like looked up Indian conferences and watched a bunch of YouTube videos of like youth conferences and speakers and all these like we gave we basically gave her a list of uh, dudes to watch, you know. And, uh, and <laughs> this spot on. Yeah. This is yeah. the guy who talks to his ancestors (laughs) our young elder (laughs) yeah oh my god that that was the best part my young elder i'm an elder (laughs) i know people who pronounce themselves as elders now and i'm like uh you're like 50 yeah 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 why are you in the rush to be an elder for a long time no what are you saying yeah i'm uh Uh you know like if a kid brings me a plate, I'm going to slap it out of their hands. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because, you know, my day job, right? So president of Clinkett and Haida. And so I'll be at events and people want to dish me up all the time. And it's almost offensive to me. Like, <laughs> no, I can still get up and get it. Yeah. <laughs> no, grandfather, let me help you. <laughs> no, I'm like, I can get my own. Uh, your beard, your elders. beard is tastefully gray, though. It has, it is, oh. it, it has great shape. <laughs> well, well, thanks, because th- this is a, uh, you know, I'm a big guy, so I'm not really vain, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm a little bit vain about my hair. Yeah. I don't know why, yeah. even it doesn't make sense to me. And I've been like, man, gray fast. Yeah. Like I was just looking, you know, pictures online and. I was like three years ago, I just had like a little trace of gray and now it's taken over. Right. And people are like, <laughs> I think people think if they are on my social media, they know me. And 
like I do selfies all the time. I actually hate my picture being taken, but it's my accountability piece. I do it. And, yeah, you got to do it. Um, because I'm literally half the man I used to be. Even even Bobby in researching this for uh, kind of looking you up a little bit and looking for some pictures of us. Holy crap. I'm huge. Mm. I mean, I'm a big guy still. But in that picture with you and Dallas and Sterling, I'm freaking huge. And mm. I was just like, oh, my God, I don't want to share that picture. But, you know, <laughs> kind of that account. But then it also kind of makes me feel good because it's like, it's, holy, it's working, yeah, you know. What you've done and the progress progress is yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, but, dude, I'm I'm so yeah. gray. I'm I'm with that, with the, the, the gray, too. It wasn't until I come to uh, Sling and Hide I started getting gray. What's up I don't know. <laughs> it's a thing. I, I remember when I became president, it was a little over eight years ago, my then COO, she's like, we need a before and after. You're going to be like Obama. I was like, what do you mean? She's like, oh, you're going to get gray. I was like, oh, no. You're going to be like Obama. <laughs> <laughs> like you're supposed to know that exactly what that meant <laughs> hey, it could mean a lot of different things to a lot of people uh, so what's kind of next for you in the year horizon where are you heading things bro uh you know like it's just keeping the momentum going like trying to uh, make my own shows i sold two tv shows one uh to amazon with sterling um that we're working on the the pilot for um co-writing a feature with him that was also going to be on amazon i'm basically moving into amazon but uh no uh, the songs, yeah yeah, he, yeah. Saw, he saw your bead work and wanted uh you know he's got the penis yeah he shape, wanted that uh, rocket ship space rocket. <laughs> he's like there's our there's our natives up, i know that's my the one. Costume that's like and be like can you can you be can you be jeff bezos a rocket ship please <laughs> 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 that's awesome so like the 1491s is that still a thing i mean are you guys still i mean you know still like together, the, but i'll tell you you know we are but this is a thing like having these guys as like my closest uh friends brothers relatives in this uh, art and comedy type of uh path i guess uh like it's been such a freaking blessing how much we all love doing what we do even when we were just doing it on youtube and uh i remember sterling and meg uh they kind of got got it together for us to do to get funding for like a yearly retreat a creative retreat and so like uh as the 1491s we got together we bought like a whiteboard and like a bunch of food and stayed at like Dallas and uh Miggy's parents' cabin in the middle of the the woods in northern Minnesota, you know, their cabin. It's where they it's their house or whatever. That's where they grew up. But uh we stayed at their their home for like a week and just made videos and talked about like what do we as a comedy troupe want to achieve in the next year? What do we want to get to in the next five years? How long do we actually want to be making videos just on YouTube or like doing stage stuff? And, you know, Sterling was always so, like, focused on, like, we have to be making, like, bigger media. We have to be doing movies. We have to be doing TV shows. We have to, this has to grow. Otherwise, you know, we're just going to be singing the same song for, you know, forever. And then people are going to bring us out to Indian country. And we were just like, the future didn't, didn't look great, you know, in some pathways. And so we were like, 
how to like what can we apply for how can we make an actual movie and uh and so that this was always like kind of the pathway um and now like i think the la- the last big thing right before uh we started doing tv was we got commissioned to write a, a full-on play at a major theater company called uh oregon shakespeare festival and it's called between two knees i ha- i love it it's like it's it's like my my child i love this i love this play it'll be coming to seattle in spring 2023 by the way guys so you know this is close it's close yeah it's yeah. close it's close it's close yeah. We're like, for y'all. Of, yeah, we're, we're like a suburb of Seattle. Uh, so, you know, hit us up for if you need some tickets. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> some of the tickets. Bro, but yeah, yeah, no, so, so we made this play and it was like, it was the first time that we as a collective had written something or had, had actually been paid to write something. Uh, and they took care of us so great. Like uh, it, as a residency, they would like bring us all together for like a week at a time in Southern Oregon and they give us like our own place to stay and like a big like creative workroom and, and and just any resources that we needed to write a play they gave it to us and they let us watch plays all the time that they had at this big ass theater and uh i remember during the rehearsals uh for our play i was sitting next to sterling and he got a text and he had kind of been talking about this for a little bit he was like oh man me and Taika, uh, we came up with this idea for this this show, you know, uh, and he was like kind of explaining what it was. And he was really nervous, but also really excited because he was working on the pitch for the show. He was supposed to go and talk to FX and you know, tell him the idea, give him kind of the treatment or whatever. And, uh, and it was going to be right after he left the rehearsals for this play. And so he was like, he was prepped, he was ready, he was like fucking running upstairs, you know, he was like fucking boxing uh, uh, raw meat in the in the meat locker. Uh, and I just then heard, he gets heard text. the Rocky music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A bunch of little kids were like following him, like, go Sterling! Uh, <laughs> but he was, he's sitting next to me and he gets a text. And I looked, I, I peeked over, you know, I see his text pop up and it said, it, it said Taika. And I was like, oh shit. I was like, oh shit, what's up with your boy? And it said, hey man, I uh, just sold uh, reservation dogs to FX. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah. And I remember Sterling was like, fuck, I gotta, I gotta, I was like, yeah man, get the hell out of here. Go for go. Go, go call him. Go call him. <laughs> <laughs> and that That's was like, awesome. you know, yeah, it was incredible, you know? And like the path from there, you know, was has been bananas. And I'll tell you, like, when we went to Juno, this was such a magical time in our lives because it was like he had written the pilot for this. He was like getting ready to 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 make this show, and um, and we ca- and and at this point, I remember we're walking around downtown Juno. We're getting coffee at uh, what's that? Is it called Heritage or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're getting coffee and stuff, and we're just enjoying beautiful freaking Juno. It's fucking eagles land on my arm and stuff, drinking my coffee with me. And, and we're talking like, we can't keep touring now. You know, we can't do it because we've all got kids. We've all got these really much larger responsibilities. And this felt like the end of it. And, uh, and, and, it, and it really, it was, that was our second to the last show. Right from there, we went to uh, Seminole Nation in Florida. And uh, when we were there in Seminole, uh, I, it was my birthday. 
And I got a text that morning from Sierra Teller Ornelas mm-hmm. uh, telling me that uh, her, Mike Schur, and Ed Helms uh, liked, wow. liked my meeting and uh, asking, telling me that I'm on the short list uh, for hires. I was like, wait, does that mean I have a job? What does that short list mean? She's like, yeah, you got a job. Uh, get a get a get a lawyer to to negotiate your contract. So I was like, so I was like freaking out all day because I had like woken wow. up to that message, uh, and then ever since then it's been like nonstop with the TV writing, with the you know all of this crazy stuff that we're doing right now. So I was feel like you know that was sort of like our our, our last little launch pad was like going going to June, beautiful freaking Juneau, Alaska, and then out to like these crazy ass swamps wrestling gators and stuff. Yeah, it was like our last hurrah as the 1491s. Right. So going back to that, you know, we do want to do stuff together. And right now all of us are writing on reservation dogs. Right? That, and that, That's amazing, Bobby. I mean, just that kind of how you guys kind of grew up together in this mm-hmm. industry, right? You guys get to share that. And yeah, I, I, you guys have some kind of energy together that's pretty epic. I, I've only been, you know, we went to dinner after your show and Sterling and Dallas and you and, you know, you guys, it's like watching, um, you know, as if I was doing something with my brothers and cousins, you know, <laughs> you, have, you have that bond and that energy. It was pretty cool to see. And you guys have a lot of connections here, but I know you're friends, uh, or Sterling's friends with like Nicholas, Nicholas Glannon. Yep. You uh, are friends with Christy Erickson. Yep. You, yep. Um, I actually have asked her to do a future show with us and talk about some of the stuff she's uh, doing. And that would be dope. Her story's crazy, man. I, you know, I've been met her a long time ago back in St. Paul. You know, I won't even get into it. Bring her on your show and have her talk about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. But she uh, she said to say hello. She's real excited that you were doing this with us. And oh, time, yeah. that's great. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. She, she's amazing. Uh, yeah, and you know it's also funny. I have in laws in Juno. There's like some Navajos popping around Juno. That uh, oh yeah, who's yeah. that? Who? Um, uh, there, there's a, a guy named Deshan lives up there. Uh, Navajo hangs out at that heritage or uh, I'm not gonna blow up their spot, you know what I mean? But you know. yeah, let's not blow up the coffee spot. spot. Yeah, yeah. A, a coffee spot. My wife's other cousins uh just moved uh back to Arizona from there though, very oh. recently. Yeah, very and they were firefighters as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we always talk about just how our kind of indigenous worlds orbit around each other and who knows yeah. who and who's doing what um you know it's i don't know uh, i'm kind of lost for words how exciting it is to see again be growing up in a small village in alaska the village is basically the same as the res right and so i grew up in a very small rural community uh you didn't tune into tv or anything and see yourself and if you did if you saw any kind of indigenous representation, it was usually pretty, you know, racist or yeah, stereotypes. Oh man, yeah. very stereotypical. And now you're seeing like this truthful representation that you guys are bringing. Yeah. That and you know, you talked about the traumas earlier a little bit, and 
I, I find it just such a native expression of what you guys do is for us natives, we make we make fun of everything, right? We we laugh at stuff other people would be just shocked by, you know. <laughs> yeah. Johnny and Jane are just sitting there appalled and aghast <laughs> because we're laughing about, you know, kind of trauma. Yeah, honestly, totally. but that's how we cope and mm. and express ourselves and kind of I think how you come out of it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. super excited. I mean, especially what's happening. I can't wait to see the play. One, I'll be in Seattle yeah. for sure. Tight, and, tight. and of course, <laughs> the, I mean the Amazon Amazon shows. Man, I oh, just hope these happen. It's just I feel like this this is the, this this time and this era that's happening is this cultural like pop cultural exposure explosion of indigeneity right it's yeah. just it's so beautiful to see to be a part of oh is, man well is it weird to me like your guys's success when i when i see kachung's success i i get excited like it's my own success somehow mm. you know it's just yeah I, it's always dope to see uh freaking indians doing cool shit you know what i mean it's like i don't know man we're not supposed to be doing cool shit in within this system, within these structures that were built over us, you know, and to watch everybody freaking fly and shine and like, you know, lead these lives and examples. It's like, what a time to be alive, you know, what a time. Well, you know, so many folks try to put us in these pockets, these boxes and, define us and talk about us in the past tense and you know yeah. talk about how we survived and you know my message is always one we're, we're still a thriving living culture mm -hmm. and you know we adapt and we evolve just like any other you know culture and of course when you talk about our art and storytelling which were at the core of our cultures you know it's how many of us kept our um lineage and our stories and everything strong was through spoken word yeah and yeah. storytellers were incredibly valuable musicians were so important so today why wouldn't you all thrive the way you're doing right now why wouldn't you kind of take over and start exploding <laughs> mm -hmm. Just and doing what we've always been doing for you know yeah. since time immemorial as they say right for real <laughs> yeah you know bobby well, I know you that, got... oh go ahead i was saying that felt like a really good natural stopping point didn't it yeah I, yeah, yeah. yeah. really there. stuck I... the landing with that one <laughs> <laughs> brother yeah. boom there we go <laughs> I can't thank you enough for joining us today. And your story really is uh, uh, something to uplift ourselves with, right, man? It's like you're doing it. You're making it happen. You're doing it with your your bros. You're, you're lifting up others. Uh, Erica, Tazma, all these people we're following. And we're seeing this meteor meteoric rise. And bro, we just want to kind of hang on and, and ride that with you. Yeah. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> yeah. There ain't no seatbelts on this thing. So, you know, <laughs> just grab just grab a part of Dosey Do. All right, brother, guys. You well, and I'm a friend. Let's do this again, man. Yeah, let's do it. Doksha okay. Uh I don't know. 
Grotich. 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 <laughs> Still says it sounds like chitch. Chitch. <laughs> Grotich. <laughs> All right, guys. Later. <laughs>
gift shop in Petersburg, Alaska, but you don't have to be in Petersburg to enjoy them. They have an incredible online presence and they deliver and you can get whatever you need there. So go online to the uh, Cedar Box. And if you are ever traveling to Petersburg, they have Hani Adventures and you can go out and get the authentic uh, view of Petersburg known as Little Norway. But of course, they're going to share a lot about the indigenous history there, the, the that it is Klinkarani. Mm. So support those businesses and make sure to support us again and like, review, share. We're all over social media. Um, I don't know. I'll call myself a social media whore. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but we put it out there. But we've had a, a just incredible feedback. You know, yeah, it's we're been great. We're real fortunate to visit with and have a conversation with our new congresswoman, congressman, as she likes to be she called, uh, Mary Pitol. Yeah, she she let us know. She's like, I actually prefer congressman. Yeah. I was like, cool, we'll do that. Um, so here, go back and listen to some of our past episodes. Yeah, check th- them out if you haven't uh, if you haven't heard them yet. Check them out because you're gonna really, I think you'll really enjoy it. It's some awesome conversations, right? Yeah. You, and you can also tune in and hear our little executive assistants in the background. Uh, Kachung's kiddos are here with us. Family affair, family affair. <laughs> I love it. And uh, I think they're going to be podcasters. Yeah, right? they're going to yeah, do we, their we, own. We should have them on as a, on one of the episodes. Uh, <laughs> so tell us about how you Kutungi Kuri. Exactly. So thank you all for uh, joining us for this episode. Okay, we got to do this. Because, you know, it's Bobby. Studis. 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 <laughs> All right. All right.